And we are back. Welcome, everybody, to Founder Insights Podcast by Animoca Brands. My name is Rich Robinson. I'm your host, entrepreneur in residence at Animoca Brands. And today we have one of the co-founders of Dogami. Please welcome Chris. Welcome to the pod, Chris. Thank you very much for having me, Rich. Appreciate it. Mm, I'm pretty pumped to peel back what you guys are working on. You know, one thing that I love is that every time there's a new paradigm, whether it's the web one paradigm, web two paradigm, mobile, something like web three, then you can layer on top of it a new fantasy sports, a new type of service and a new classic pet game all the way from those little eggs in the Tamagotchi all the way up to now. Every time there's a whole new shift and you can reinvent the category. So please tell us about what you guys are working on right now. Absolutely. Uh, thanks for that intro. Um, it, it's true that we're in a paradigm shift, but I think we're taking a lot of inspiration by things that have marked us as founders in the past experiences that we've had in the in the entertainment industry that we found interesting, that we found relevant to today's day and age. And so we're putting together uh, this, this startup called Dogami, uh, which we co-founded about a little more than two years ago now. And our mission is to build an entertainment ecosystem uh, with the backbone of being able to use Web3 tools. Um, so everything that you see in Dogami is uh, centered around our Dogami avatars. Uh, there are these four-legged uh, furry companions uh, that look like uh, dogs that you would have in your real world, and they're inspired by real breeds of dogs. We have 15 today. And the whole idea is building a bond with your Dogami through these different media experiences. And the core product that we're releasing is Dogami Academy, and Dogami Academy is a mobile-first game in which you're going to be able to take part in activities with your Dogami. And these activities being uh, trainings. Uh, so you have six different types of trainings that are linked to the skills of your Dogami to increase its overall level and, and statistics, uh, which help you better perform in these obstacle courses. Um, and the obstacle courses are kind of inspired by American Ninja Warriors. Uh, for those that know the TV show, it's basically an athletic course where you have to use your strength to get from point A to point B as fast as possible. And when we kind of tried to, 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 to put together the, the idea of what would be interesting uh, and different to see our Dogami avatars interact in, there was a few things on the table and we're like, but what gives us the most variety in terms of uh, you know, a, a user to be able to see your Dogami do as many things as possible? And an obstacle course seemed perfectly fitting. It can happen in an arena. It can happen in the streets. It can happen just about everywhere, giving you the possibility for a rich environment. But it also means that you have to tap into multiple skills, uh, which, which is also in terms of variety of, um, 
of obstacles offers a, a, a lot. You're not always focused just on speed. You're focusing on agility. You're focusing on strength. Uh, and I think that's kind of different uh, and something that we really thought would be interesting for for the players and interesting to us as well. If we're not convinced, it's very difficult to convince others. So, yeah. Beautiful. Yeah, that's an excellent. So not only is it the Web3 paradigm, but a whole new way to interact with your virtual pet that you really are bonded with in an exciting way. I used to play Frisbee with my Dalmatian and I would bounce it off the side of the building and he would course correct and jump a meter and a half in the air and catch the Frisbee. It was absolutely insanely fun and awesome. And I love that. And you can gamify that or watch somebody else do it. It's great. I think the old paradigm was um, clean up your pet's poop. Oh yeah. I love that. <laughs> Feed your pet. Oh man. That's so much fun. Right. Watch, put your pet to sleep. He just sleeps everywhere. Right. Like, like that was like the, the, the worst parts of being a pet owner and you were kind of tasked with doing all of that. Now you're like, okay, let's do all the fun, insanely just exciting parts. Sure. I mean, why, why keep it at, let's say, the first level? If you have all these different levels that you can go and tap into. And I think one thing that's very important to recognize, when you're building a brand, you need your characters to be relatable. Um, you need to be able to have a sense of scope, uh, a sense of stakes. There's a lot of things that needs to go in so that the, this world that you're in is exciting. Um, and one of the things that we're establishing in, in the brand today, and, and we've done this through the release of a first comic book, uh, which is called Dogami Companions of Earth, is we wanted our audience to be able to relate with a world that looks like the world today. And it was important for the audience to recognize that these dogami might be from another universe. They mm. might be on four legs, but they feel, think, and emote in, in exactly the same way that we do. And I, I think that it, it's important to ground some of that in, in there so that you can say, well, then they want more like we want more as well. So let's give them um, a playground that allows them to, to do more. I mean, I was a huge Tamagotchi fan and I think that you know, it, it still finds an audience today, but it's, it, it was meant as a pocket watch. It, it's a pocket watch that had a virtual pet inside, but you know, originally it, it was this little egg with the time on the screen and then you could go and interact with, with your pet. And it's okay and it's, it's great, but it's not very scalable. You arrive to the end of an experience very quickly and you have these small interactions that you have to, that you have to do. And we're in a world that's much more vibrant and alive today how can we uh, bring in a virtual companion, but open up the scope of activities that we can do? And, and, and that can only be done if the environment is alive and the characters are alive. Certainly. Yeah. I love um, the original Atari games, but of course, you know, Pong and space invaders like need to certainly evolve past those to much more 
immersive, engaging experience. Tell us about the comic book. Talk about immersive, engaging awesomeness. I love and grew up with comic books. Tell me about the idea and the execution around that. Absolutely. Um, I, so, so that I, 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 you know, big, big, big fan and, and uh, have a deep love for comic books. And it's, it's something that we kind of discussed uh, all together with the founders uh, is how do you build brand equity when your core product to date and what you're working on is a mobile uh, app? Uh, it's a mobile mobile first game. It's very difficult to um, to be able to establish narrative in uh, a game that's basically on the go, uh, something that you can pick up and drop off. It, it doesn't have the same kind of attention that you have probably on console or PC games where you're at a destination. You sit down and you take in uh, everything that it has to offer with long cutscenes and cinematics. So we decided we needed to kind of find a new angle in which we would be able to tell narrative and something that could also live both in the physical and in the digital space. And I think comic books have transitioned really well from a classical format to a digital format and allow for you to be able to, to, to fully focus on narrative because that's its main purpose. It's, it's to bring you entertainment, joy, and to be able to develop a story across time. And so we uh, had a few meetings with a few people from the comic book industry and we worked with a few writers until we really got the foundations of what it was that we wanted to build on. And so Dogami Companions of Earth talks about the awakening of all dogs on Earth into their true Dogami selves. What we're trying to do is to rewrite the history of dogs on Earth. Because we hear a lot about these incredible dogs that do things that, you know, are beyond any sense of understanding. Uh, uh, you know, a, a dog that's crossed uh, multiple states to find his way home without having a map or a GPS. Uh, you know, dogs have this incredible capability to do things that go completely outside of our understanding. So what we're trying to tap into is that truth and develop it. So we say, well, maybe they're not uh, as normal as we think they are. And maybe they're from another universe and they've been here for so long and grown next to man, but they forgot who they truly are. And in the comic book, what we want to do is we want to have that event that kind of wakes up all the dogs on earth until remembering why they were there in the first place and what impact they're going to have on the world. So it's, it's them going from not being able to communicate with us in a way that we can communicate with each other. Obviously dogs have ways of communication, but they're, they're not audible uh, or readable as easily or perceived as easily by man. So we're like, what if we open that door? You know, what, what, what if uh, all of a sudden they become the sentient beings that we are and we can relate on the same levels. So that's what we're, we're doing with the comic book. It also grounds everything else that you have in the universe and in the game so that it has a reason of being your locations, the characters you're going to meet, they're all tied into um, each one of the different media extensions. And, and when we talk about building a brand ecosystem, that's exactly what we, what we mean. What we do is that we develop different extensions that come in support of one another so that it helps grow 
the, the, the combined experience to the next level. Uh, and it's not to cannibalize one another. One, one product isn't there to substitute the other. It's there in support of the other to make it even more interesting. That's great. I would love to think of the dogs that I've had as aliens who have come here on Earth. I wonder if they build a special rocket ship so they can stick their head out the, the window and have their tongue hanging out as they fly through the sky. I think that's probably uh, a very important customization for them. So, wow. Love it. So you're, you, you have the comic book, you have this great lore, the whole competitive uh, American ninja for pooches uh, aspect of it. Like wh what else, what else is on the, on the roadmap? How do you see this whole thing evolving? Yeah. So Dogami Academy we really developed the product so that it can be scalable. Uh, the idea is that it's a game as a service. So once it's released, the idea is to be able to offer continuous updates. One of the biggest updates that we're working on is kind of a zone of contemplation, uh, a place where you can really appreciate your virtual companion outside of block game mechanics, right? Uh, so we, we have this adventure mode. It's a working title for it. That's going to be part of the app. Um, where you have full freedom with your Dogami uh, to be able to run full speed across the field and jump in water, uh, find hidden secrets uh, that are lying in the environment. I think it was important that we support it with a little bit of freedom. Um, a lot of uh, Web3 games today are focused on, I'm trying to be careful at how I say this, but they're, they're focused on what it is that we kind of think that it should be. Uh, it's, uh, I, I purchased an asset, I'm going to get this much return on investment. But it can be other things. It can also be, uh, I purchased something and I'm going to get a massive amount of joy and, uh, and, and experiences from uh, what I purchased, like, like purchasing a cinema ticket. And what we want to do is, we want to offer that bridge as well to, to tell you that you've purchased an NFT. Yes, you can compete. Yes, you can compete against others. You can compete against uh, the application itself, but you can also be free and just enjoy what you've purchased and interact with, with, with your Dogami. Um, and I think that's something that sometimes put a little bit aside uh, because it's not part of a monetization loop. It's not part of a competition loop in which uh, you're going to be able to earn uh, financial rewards. It's it's based and anchored in pleasure. Um, and I think sometimes the priority is a little bit put aside because the focus is sometimes too, you know, blocked inside the box. And we're, we're, we're scared to dare to think outside the box and say, well, man, let, let's try something. Uh, others aren't doing, and let's do something that just gives you a little bit of satisfaction uh, on your downtime. Um, so that's that's one of the big updates that we're 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 planning to to integrate into the app. Um, and then obviously it's it's continuing to grow on the other extensions. Um, the game is always going to be a large part of our attention because we have a good two thirds of the team working on there. So. Uh, how do we support with new environments? How do we support with new features? Uh, how do we 
um, change a little bit the game in terms of the kind of racing that you do. Can you race with uh, three of your dogamis in a relay race? That's something that you know we we're, we're pushing to to have fun. Which ones uh, have the best skills for each part of the heats of this three heat race? Um, so the idea is to continue to push on the foundations that we've established uh, for the years to come. Um, we, we really see this as the core first product uh, for the Grammy gamers. Uh, the comic book uh, has also updates. It's part of a five story, uh, five issue story act. So issue one was just released. Issue, issue two is on the way. This is what's going to give you the foundations of the narrative. And we're not picking up at uh, the beginning, we're picking up at the middle of our timeline. So there's plenty that's happened in the past that we can still go into the mythology and explain, and plenty that's going to happen in the future. Um, so steadily and without spreading ourselves too thin, the idea is to put the right focus at the right place at the right time and try to measure the risks of what we're doing. And right now, the comic book and the game uh, are the two main points of, of focus. Uh, the rest is maintenance and maintaining that high level of quality that we strive for to make sure that the marketplace becomes more and more uh, seamless and easy and uh, and the features are very easy to find, something that seems to be very difficult for us in Web3 sometimes. Uh, so how how do we knock down those different barriers of entry is, is a prime focus. Um, you know, uh, that we'll be continuing to build on as we move forward. Plenty of people doing amazing stuff. And Web3 is great because there's a lot of sharing. So people aren't stingy on their ideas. They they want everybody to grow together because it's, it's, it's good for the industry in general and the evolution of internet as we're seeing it pan out in front of us at the moment. Thanks for sharing. I I don't think it's controversial at all what you said in the beginning about the core has to be focused on game fun and gaming has to have that fun element. And, you know, I like to tell people metaphors about web three so that people can better get their arms around it because there's a lot of people out there that are still trying to understand the internet of ownership, the tokenized version of the internet that is web three and blockchain and very much of it is just like the real world. I think web two, of course, is this distorted version where there's very few large players that control much of the traffic and you are the consumer and also the producer and you don't get very well rewarded. You're like a vassal in a feudal system and you're working for Lord Zuckerberg or house of Google order of Microsoft, but web three is much more like the real world. And Indeed, if you think about dogs, the vast majority of dogs are just some something that's really fun and that we really bond with and that we love. And sure, we own the dog, um, but it really kind of owns owns our heart. But we don't think of a dog as something that yields necessarily. You you can you can buy high end um, pure purebreds to to breed them and make money, and you can have dogs that are all about utility, guard dog, or perhaps a dog that's you know helping people um, who are blind, you know, guide dog, but the vast majority of dogs are really there just to provide, you know, love and fun. And I think, yeah, companionship. Right. And that's, and I think that's kind of where we're going with NFTs in, in people will be 
connected to that NFT or, you know, they'll be, they'll be able to really have a lot of fun with that NFT. And, uh, yeah, I think, uh, I like, I never really thought about NFTs as like pets or dogs, but there probably are some more, more parallels, uh, put them in the show, uh, comments. If anybody has any, any other ideas, um, excellent. And, and tell us, tell us, let's go back to origin story, how you and, you know, founding team met and what was the, uh, catalyst for this and some of the, some stories, anecdotes along, along your journey. It's, it's kind of funny because usually you have a lot of uh, partners that either started off as friends or they started off because they had worked together previously, or there's usually a, the, the story that kind of connects all the founders together. And in our story, nobody knew each other. Uh, our first day together was uh, the day when we kind of started developing the, the, the strategy about what it was that we wanted to, to build. There was for everyone this desire to hold this opportunity of Web3 into the hands and make history in, 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 in our own way and, and hopefully execute on it well. The original idea came from uh, Adrian Magdalene, uh, which is um, uh, our, you know, our partner. He spent 12 years in the pet industry and he built probably, I think, the, the second biggest, if not the biggest um, social network around uh, pets, you know, uh, cats, dogs, hamsters, rabbits, you, you name it. Um, and he sold the company to Purina, which is uh, Nestle's pet care and uh, pet health uh, arm about uh, three years ago, three and a half years ago. Um, and he was able to tap into a Web2 community for a very long time, for, for these 12 years with a massive amount of traffic. And he saw the, the possibilities of Web3 and thought, well, what if we bridge uh, a new community in Web3 around pets. That was kind of like the essence of, of the idea. Um, and he was in contact with two other co-founders, which are uh, Bilal uh, and Max. And he pitched the, the idea to them. And they were like, listen, this is very cool. There's something that we can do. And, and Adrian is, is, is quite fantastic on this. He's like, once he has an idea, you'll go to the end of it before saying it's a good idea or a bad idea. It's not one of those that has that idea but does nothing about it for a long amount of time. And he contacted Greg Magadou, which is our artistic director um, uh, on LinkedIn, and he saw that Greg Magadou had made this uh, incredible game called Equideo uh, for Ubisoft, which is still running today after nearly 15 years, which is um, on horses. And he's like, you see what you have with Equideo? It's great. I want to do the same with, with, with dog and I need to find the right help. And um, after about a month that they, they started putting the gamut together, I was put in contact um, by a, a friend of mine that had previously worked with Adrian. And uh, she, she told me, listen, I know you've been talking a lot about Web3 on LinkedIn and on socials and uh, you know, you find the space amazing. I have this friend of mine that's, that, that wants to build a platform uh, and you guys should talk. 
And when I had the first sit down with them, I was like, guys, what you have is fantastic. But like, we're only thinking about the level one. And uh, we had this four hour, like five hour discussion about what if we took it to an entertainment brand? Yeah, let's let's build a lot around it and give access to it to all the community members uh, that they can have a connection with everything that we're going to build. And it's not only a game, it's TV, it's uh, everything that's going to be able to support uh, everything that we're going to put together. And they're like, okay, this goes a little bit bit outside. Let's all sleep on it. And and then we met again and we're like, okay, it makes sense. It works. This is what we have to do. And I think on day two, we started talking to writers and we didn't even have uh, uh, a a, a game designer or things like that. We're like, we we have to do this world building exercise now uh, to make sure that everything is going to be um, um, coherent once we start uh, building the different applications. Uh, Because it's difficult to do that work afterwards. Um, So yeah, Dogami was born out out of a variety of very different individuals making concessions at the right time Um, because we have four very different profiles and we weren't friends and we didn't know each other more than that so you have to accept to to, to, to leave space. It's, it's kind of like a, a relationship, right? It's, it's a marriage. It's about concession, uh, but also standing up for what you think are the right decisions. And I think that we're very complementary in that way is that given the different experiences that we've had in the past, we were each given the room to be able to bring the best of what we could offer. Mm-hmm. Um, and it takes a lot of trust, a lot of conflict, to, to be able to get there, but you know, it's letting go, but also staying firm at, at the same time. And I think we were all very fortunate to end up with the people that we ended up because partnerships can be very, very dangerous. And, and, uh, you know, and, and we were lucky and we are still lucky. Love it. So your CBO chief brand officer and you have this background we were discussing earlier that you went to acting school before. So I think you have this sort of natural ability to really resonate with story. You know, if you look at Pixar, like they don't, they don't draw anything. They don't do any kind of development until they have the story and everything has to come down to just like at the core of a game has to, you know, really have that, that fun loop. You have to have really good story. And I think story in general is important in so many things in life. If I'm trying to sell something to my, my kids, if I'm trying to pitch a company, trying to create a product for the end user story, we naturally just absolutely just surrender ourselves to story. There's, there's a scene in Finding Nemo when... Dory and Marlin get zapped by the jellyfish and then the turtles save them. And then he, he wakes up and Dory's already awake and she's playing with all the baby turtles. And then she says, uh, uh, yeah, tell us the story. And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell us the story. And they all come together and they're just 
gathered around like, yeah, tell us a story, right? So I think storytelling is so, so important. I think it's beautiful that you're coming with this different superpower, just like the guys who founded Airbnb, like those guys went to design school at RISD, the Rhode Island School of Design, and they storyboard out the whole, there's an amazing podcast with Reed Hoffman, the founder of LinkedIn, Masters of Scale, where he talks about what's a 10-star experience. He talks to the founder of Airbnb. We know what a five-star experience, but what a, what, what a six-star experience and a seven-star and an eight-star, like they, they storyboard out. A 10-star experience would be you meet us at the airport with a parade and an elephant and a custom surfboard and my favorite drink and a band, right? And they're like, okay, we can't do that, but we can dial it back and then we can inform the five-star experience with that. And I think storyboarding and having the whole alignment around that is super important. And I love that you started with that. Like, tell us, tell us a little bit about that, that session and, you know, some of the back and forth and how it shaped out. I, I love that Nemo example because it's so true. Um, I think I'm very fortunate to have two things in my life that, uh, really helped me. And, and the first one is probably to be a father. Um, I, I think that there's nothing more innocent than watching a child at play. And it's something that we lose as we become adults, right? You build these inhibitions and you refrain from moving into that Im imagination space um, and you close yourself off into these formatted boxes that are created by society. And I think that having kids keeps you in the play. Uh, so that, that's, I think, one thing that's very important for me moving forward. The second thing is I think there's a perfect alignment of stars on the day I was born that said, you're going to meet extraordinary people along your life that are going to teach you extraordinary things. And a lot of what I do today are because of these extraordinary people that I was lucky enough to meet. And one of these people is uh, Neville Brody, uh, which is a terrific graphic designer, brand master, communication uh, king, and uh, he's worked with every industry and, and everyone. And he's got this ability to make every word have uh, a lot of weight to it and nothing is wasted. And just before Dogami, I spent six months with him working on a project for Real Madrid on a rebrand during COVID. And so we were talking to each other daily and uh, we never actually sat down together. Uh, and I think that was the most enriching, one of the most enriching periods of my life in terms of, of knowledge and understanding uh, of, of brand. And then, like you said, there's acting. And it's something that strangely, I don't mention so much because- um, I think it's awesome. Yeah, it's awesome that there's this notion of, you know, when, when, when you've been to acting school and if you're not an actor today, it's that you failed, right? But it's very wrong. I, I did this course at Stella Adler, like you were saying earlier, which was amazing. Um, it unlocked multiple uh, doors inside of me that you know, I, I managed to cry 
that's something that I had a lot of difficulty doing. So it means I was finally opening myself to uh, real and true emotions um, to get out of my body, uh, not worry so much about uh, how, you know, uh, what I think, uh, how I move or how I look, uh, uh, all, all these things. And so it unlocked this ability to, to, to just be okay in, in, with myself and in myself. I think the accumulation of, of all these three things has allowed me to come into Dogami today and say, listen, let's go all in. Uh, and, and, you know, uh, I've worked in film for 10 years. I've met these incredible people. And all this is going to feed us, uh, combined with the know-hows and the, the experiences of my partners as well, which are very present in the, in, in, in the development of everything. Um, we're going to build something that can last forever. Uh, if you build just a game, it, it's... It's, it's a finite experience. It starts at point A and it ends at point B. Uh, but if you build a story, then it's, it's, it, this, this specific story that you say might come to an end, but the characters are still alive in an environment that's alive that can build into all the stories and the world is alive. I'm like, if we ground Dogami in a living, breathing uh, universe where people have their issues, where um, people have relationships and connections. Each one of the characters in the story becomes important, has their own story to tell. Then we're building something that is infinite and that can grow. Never ending story. That's beautiful. So, so I, I think, I think it's a, uh, that leads me to my next segues perfectly tell us about improv that you studied and the fundamentals of improv and why that's something that's so helpful in running a startup that's a good question um so improv has this ground rule it's number one rule of improv is you can't say no uh so everything relies on the power of suggestion uh, so you arrive into a scene and you have somebody in front of you and he's going to feed you a line. And that line is going to set the scene, whether that scene lasts 30 seconds or five minutes, he's going to give you something, a gift. And you have to take that gift and you have to build on it and then give it back. And, and so, uh, and you were, you were mentioning, uh, this, uh, earlier as well that you've done some some improv so you know you you understand the concept of uh yes and 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 that's an important one so if if we were to go into a an improv scene right now i would walk into the room and i'd be rich i can't believe you blew up the house yes and i also blew up the the store as well too it was a blast <laughs> Exactly. There, there's this, there's no notion of play of how do you up the stakes at each round? You know, you, you give something and you take it as a gift and you're like, wow, I can, I can go crazy with this now and, and we can continue to build. And I think that it helps in, in, in startups because you can take the things that you're given and you can build on them 
to, 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 to further grow and, and also in terms of communication with, with one another. No, but no, but I, I don't think so. Just kidding. Just kidding. Right. So if, when you're, when you're in a brainstorming session, you're trying to figure something out. If you have the mindset, you, it's always yes. And even if you disagree, yes. And mm, let's try this and not shutting yourself off. Like that's the one thing that I am really working on is this radical open-mindedness that Ray Dalio from principles talks about, because yeah. as you get older, you do accumulate some wisdom and skills and experience and you have this pattern recognition, but you can also shut yourself off to things if you're not radically open-minded. So it's, I always, in my mind, while somebody's saying something, I'm repeating in my head, yes, and, yes, and, yes, and, yes, and it could be, yes, and, oh, and then there's also this. And you have to really believe in all the possibilities because, you know, most startups not not going to make it. And they're, it's pretty, you know, challenging journey along the way. But if you can have this mindset and it doesn't have to be frivolous or idealistic or, you know, unrealistic, it can actually be really based in, based in truth. Once you actually are open-minded to all the possibilities, then it opens up. And I think it's a beautiful uh, skill set. Tell me about some of the things that you've experienced in this journey. Maybe that uh, people from the Web3 builder land can learn from you something that you kind of wish you knew before or lesson along the way. So we've been very lucky uh, because we made plenty of mistakes. Um, and I think that there's nothing you can learn more from. Can, 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 you, can, you, can you say that again? I want you to repeat that, please. <laughs> we were very lucky because we made plenty of mistakes. Yes. And I think that great attitude it's 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 from that that you learn right um web web 3 is is new i mean it's it's still new it's it's been there for for a while people have been using tools uh for longer than others but when you're in a builder's mindset you need to take risks and and so you will make the wrong decisions um and that installs an element of um, being able to pivot, uh, which I think is is very important, is being able to know when, okay, that's the wall, guys. Uh, let's be very careful because we're getting very close to the wall. So which way do we turn? Um, and we launched the first app, uh, which was everything that I described in the beginning um, when I was talking about a Tamagotchi. And we took too much time to see the wall coming. And I think that we have to be very attentive to, especially uh, our team members uh, and, and, and not be so closed minded sometimes. No, 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 but it's, it's going to work. You, the, the way you see it now is, is, you know, it's because still being developed. Yeah, but the foundations feel wrong, you know, and we got a few alarm bells from a few team members, which we're incredibly lucky to have, uh, that, that made us realize a bit too late, but they were trying to tell us we have to pivot. So I think number one, listen to your team. Uh, they, they have the best interest at heart and they want to see you succeed. Number two, 
be opportunistic, but don't be overly opportunistic. I think you're, you're, you're going to, and this comes back to the, to, to, to the thing about improv, where I'm going to go a little bit against what I, what I said is, I think you, you have to say no 90% of the time to opportunities that are not your prime focus. Uh, if there are opportunities that are, fo- that are completely focused on what it is that you're building, assess them, discuss them, and if it doesn't make sense, move on. Um, we saw just after launch, article after article, headline after headline, and say, wow, yeah, everybody's communicating so much. Uh, we, we, need to do, we need to do activations. We need to do this. We need to, so we take two weeks off of our main uh, project, um, our main product, to be able to make one headline and then another one. And you're, you're, you're just chasing yourself in, in, in the end. Um, instead of saying, let them talk. Let everybody else talk. Let, let everybody else make the headlines. And let's make a big headline in two years from now. But let's stay focused on the tasks and the work that we have to do. Short term is short term. It's always going to be short term. It's, it's going to make an impact and be as, as quickly forgotten. <clears throat> so focus on midterm and long term, because that will also stay uh, there longer with your audience and, and the news. Uh, so focus on what your mission is and forget the rest. Uh, I think that we're too easily overly polluted by wanting to, to be present all the time. It's okay to be in the shadows. Uh, it's okay to be focusing on work. Uh, in the end, you're doing everything in your power with uh, the rest of your team to be able to develop the best product and the best brand possible. Thank you. It's beautiful. Improv, of course, is terrific for brainstorming or maybe problem solving. But yes, you have to say no. You have to say no to the things that you really want to do, including going to that conference, including going to that networking event or maybe doing that interview so that you can build product because product is all that really matters. And I love this guy. His name is Jocko Willink. He's a Navy SEAL. And people come to him and go, you know what? We didn't get the supplies for our mission tomorrow. And he said, good. I'm glad now we know how to do this mission with limited supplies or, Oh, you know, the, the, the yeah. truck broke down. Good. Now we're going to have to learn how to fix it ourselves. Um, you know, and you talked about, we're lucky to make mistakes. And if you just have the right attitude, you're like, good. Now I'm learning. I'm not going to make the same mistake twice, but good. Now we have another lesson, it's just feedback. It's not failure. It's just feedback. Now we have more feedback. We're closer, closer to the end. So, wow. Thank you very much. Everybody, come on. That was amazing. If you're not holding, if you're, if you're not playing this game and engaging with them, then what is the matter with you? Who doesn't like dogs? That was great. Please comment, like, and subscribe below and put your hands together. I don't care if you're driving and it's really dangerous. We're in a bathroom public stall and it's weird. Give Hold a round of applause. For, I'm going to blame it on Chris. Chris, everybody, co-founder of Dogami, looking for, looking forward to future amazing stuff coming out of your camp. And thank you so much, uh, Rich and Animoka for, for, for this time together. I really enjoyed uh, speaking with you and uh, I think they were great questions. So thank you so much for having me. I, I, I appreciate it. Um, Mutual. And a, a bit of alpha coming out in the next two or three days. So 
come say hi on on our Twitter. Um, we're going to be announcing the release date of the early access uh, in just a few days. So yeah. beautiful. All right, all the best. Thank you. Thank you, Rich. This podcast is for information purposes only and should not be considered as financial advice. Any opinions provided in this podcast reflect the views of the speakers only.